These days, your calendar is supercharged and you find yourself having to pencil in when you need to breathe. As we're always moving and grooving between our offices, homes, studio, and out, we could all take some moments to spend time and hear from our faves and pop culture on what they're up to and how they keep it together as well. I'm your host, Kimmy Smith, a celeb fashion stylist, co-founder and creative style director of Athleisure Mag, co-executive producer and host of a number of shows in our multimedia podcast network, Athleisure Studio. When you plug into Punglo SK, you'll get to hang out with those that, regardless of their background, are juggling their busy lives and have words of empowerment to keep us motivated throughout our day. On today's episode of Bungalow SK, we talk to Daya Vidya, who returns for the sixth season of Amazon's Bosch as the chief of staff to the mayor of Los Angeles. We find out more about the upcoming season, as well as chat about the seventh and final season that was recently renewed. In addition to her work in front of the camera, we talk about her work behind it and how she has worked with her husband on a number of projects. We also talk about how Hollywood continues to change as we look at the diversity within inclusivity for women and people of color. So when did you realize that you wanted to be an actor? Um really early really mm. really young actually um 11 wow <laughs> okay but, uh, yeah I was 11 I, I was taken to my first um yeah my mom took me to a show of guys and dolls musical, mm. mm-hmm. um, when I was only 11 years old and it was the local youth theater in uh, Berkeley California mm-hmm. and I was mesmerized and blown away and hooked I mean, it was one of those changing moments in your life that you yep. never forget. I saw it and I was just like, that's what I want to do. Oh, my God. And, I, and normally when you're a kid, you know, that changes. But for me, for whatever reason, and my mom always says it. I, once I decided that it was just pretty much I'd never swayed. I was just like I was determined from that point on. Everything I did thus after that was to become a professional actor. But my parents didn't let me do it professionally mm-hmm. until I turned. 18. So ah. I, I just did theater. Do you feel that there's a difference when you're preparing for a theater-based role versus something for TV and film? Do you have a different approach to it? You know, I use a lot of my theater training for film and television because I personally think you can tell mm-hmm. actors who have that background. Mm-hmm. Um, not always. There's a few who surprised me um, who are just so incredible and haven't had a theater background. But most of the time, I would say it just it, it gives you that good base. It's yeah. kind of like, you know, a runner who, you know, has done all of their laps mm-hmm. over and over. Exactly. <laughs> it's just a muscle, right? You know what I mean? You have yep. to train, and it's, it's a different kind of muscle. And I feel like theater actors can always do film and television, but it's harder for film and television actors to go and do theater. Oh, I can so, see that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one translates because you just have to all you, you, you know, you're adjusting when you're on film and television is you're just kind of compacting it a little more mm-hmm. with the com- camera. But the the process of getting to the character, that's the same. I like that. I've never heard it quite said that way, but I totally get it. And how do you feel like, for example, you've played um, Jankowski on on Bosch for all of these seasons. Is it harder when you've played a character over a longer period of time when you're no longer going to play that character or moving on from that character? Do you have like a process that you have to do around that? I do think I have to. Well, first, I will say that doing it for a long time is helpful because you just get closer and closer to the person and it yep. becomes more and more a part of you. So it's easier, actually, mm-hmm. after time, I find. 
I can I don't have to do as much prep as I used to. I kind of know her now. So yeah. I just like go right into it. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say for going on to sometimes when I play other roles, because I've had I've done movies and other things yep. and another another series while I was playing Jen. Mm-hmm. And I did have to I have to make a conscious effort to when I'm doing the homework for that role. Yeah. I have to really get into that world and do that mm. homework and kind of let her go for that while. I mean, yep. for me, I, I, it's about going into the, the world and the circumstances of that person's life. Yep. So whatever life that is, I just sit in it. And then, so if I'm doing a new life, I have to be like, okay, take <laughs> off that old life. Yeah. It's, it's, that's what's fun about it, though. You just get to get, pop into these worlds. Mm-hmm. That are, it's really cool. That's what I love. That's the part I love the most. I love that. And so what drew you to... Bosch, like what was the like when you got pitched it, what did you think? Like, oh my God, this is amazing. I, I definitely have to do it. Like, what was that whole process? Well, for me, it's when I read the script, or in this case, it was the size, which was just the scene when it was sent to me. I kind mm-hmm. of know. I read so many scripts all the time. You know, you're always sent material. So after this many years, you get good at really it hits you immediately because yeah. you're so used to it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So as soon as I read this. Um, a lot of projects are like this. I can read it one time and go, oh, this is different. This is this is different. This hits me. I, you know what I mean? It, it, yep. it was like that. When I read Jen, the way they write her, the way the material was, I didn't even know the show yet. I didn't watch the first season mm-hmm. at first until I got it. Yeah, so I didn't know the show, but I could tell just from the scene, I was like, this show's interesting. This show's different. You wow. know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Wow, so that's what drew me, and then I was like, "Oh, I'm so excited about this character." I stayed home the whole weekend. I was working. On, I, I worked really hard on this character because it, the ones that get me, those are the ones I get excited. Oh, you know, and also it is. I don't know how to play her. I didn't know how to play her right hmm. away. Oh, that's so interesting. I, 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 a lot of actors say this, and it's very true. If you don't, um, I would say like actors who are really into the craft. Mm-hmm. If you don't know how to play it right away, it's always more exciting because you have to try to figure out how this person thinks and how this yep. person moves or, because it's different than you. And mm-hmm. I can't quite, she had like a real, um, she has, and when I play her like a viciousness side of her that mm-hmm. I just couldn't get under, I was like, what is that? <laughs> how do I, how do I, how do I think? Cause I don't think that way. I'm like, how do I get my brain around yeah. that, you know, ambitious and wanting something at, you know, by any means necessary. Exactly. Well, what are you looking forward to? I know the sixth season is currently going on right now. What are you looking forward to in terms of, I guess, the remainder of this season, as well as I know that it got renewed for next season um, and that would be the final season. What are you looking forward to in terms of unearthing things about Jen or things that you want from the show that you're excited to be a part of? Yeah, I'm really excited about once you watch season six, let me know because once you see it you'll you'll see that for season seven um the way they end season six for me mm-hmm. it's like a total cliffhanger oh. so i don't even know what's gonna happen i'm dying like they left me on a cliffhanger i'm like writers oh my gosh and you give me a hint i mean literally <laughs> and then they don't even tell you they, they keep the secret it's it's funny because you know it, they always keep these things close to their chest yep. all shows um you know everything's so top secret now well, um, yeah, absolutely. Yay, you don't ever do it's, it's a trip. So I'm curious just to find out what happens. Like, I want to know what happens with me and how I handle what took place. So without giving away spoilers, it's just. I know because I will I will be watching this weekend. <laughs> yeah, yeah, watch 
watch it. And when you get to season, when you get to episode ten, you'll see what I'm talking about. They'll end it on episode ten, and you'll be like, "What? What? That's crazy." Okay, so how did that get it? So yeah. wait, when you do like table reads and things like that, is that when you're kind of being introduced, like each step of like what's taking place? Yeah. So you'll a lot of times. Wow. You don't know until you get the script, and then sometimes the table read you'll get it. Usually you've gotten it the day before the table read, mm-hmm. but sometimes not. Sometimes you will get it on the day, but usually you'll have one day. But you don't know until you get the script. It's not like yeah. you're giving some. Sometimes they'll give you a heads up, and you can discuss the journey or mm-hmm. the direction your character is going in. Yeah. But like even on other shows, like. Walking Dead on Fear of the Walking Dead. I have friends on there. They don't even know they're going to get killed off until they read the script. That is crazy. Like I, so, could, I just had this vision that everyone's sitting at a table and someone's like reading, and they all of a sudden like, oh, and I'm dead now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, for real. They show up to work, or usually it's they show up to work and they're like, everyone's like, oh man, you got killed. This. Mm. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I'm out of a job now. Like it's literally. Oh. Yeah. See, it, for fans, they're kind of like, oh, well, this is just part of the storyline, but for an actor. Yeah, that's part of the storyline, and that's your job. Yeah, so it just ended. Unless you get to be in flashback scenes, because then there's yeah, hope there. That's true. <laughs> that's true. They're always to be the yeah. You're always hoping for the flat. Yeah, so mm-hmm. I want to have a good attitude, good attitude about it. Oh my god! <laughs> like, oh, I that would like drive me crazy. Um, yeah. So, in addition to you being in front of the camera, you also have credits behind the camera as well. I know that you um, produced the locksmith. What was it like to be a part of that? And how was it to work with your husband? Yeah, it's great, actually, because we met in that way. We met on a film that he wrote and produced. Hmm. I was starring in it. He cast me as his leading lady without us ever knowing our future. Oh. Um, So, yeah, it was crazy. I mean, I was just somebody who auditioned for a movie. He did, and it was, you know, and one thing led to another. Mm -hmm. And we're now together 10 years later. Wow. So for us, it's always been a part of our relationship. We've always worked together and raised our family. It's kind of all in one. Mm -hmm. So it's very natural. It sort of comes part of it. So for Locksmith, the only hard part of Locksmith was we shot it in Atlanta. Mm. um, And with a producing couple, also friends, Ryan and Jamie Miniham, who also did Blue with us. So they're a Uh producing team that we work with. And they're in Atlanta. And so I had, because I was taking care of the kids, that was the only hard part of it. I was doing the distance stuff here oh. while they were shooting and I was handling business. So that was just tough logistically trying to always, you know, when you're shooting a film, they're working on it while I'm trying to take care of the kids. And I was actually supposed to go out there. Mm-hmm. And the night before I was supposed to fly out there, I think one of my kids was sick or something. Mm. And I was like, I have to cancel. I can't. I'm going to have to do it over. We were doing Zoom and yep. FaceTime back then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. So you just make it work, but but we're good at um, working together. That, that we're good at. I love that. Um, the co-founder uh, of the magazine and, and of our podcast is also my boyfriend. So we have worked oh. together yep. uh, for a number of years. So it's it's definitely interesting how that dynamic is and how it can be really seamless. Like when it works, it works. It's um, one of those things. I, I like to call it almost like a stream of consciousness type of situation because, you know, when you're running a magazine, he does the photography. I'm also a celebrity fashion stylist. You know, you're doing the writing, you're doing the interviewing, you're doing the podcast stuff. And then we have other businesses that come off of it. You're almost always on. So you you see one thing randomly, like it could be an M&M commercial. And you're like, oh, my God, I remember when I was telling you about whatever. We should do it like this. Or when we're on set. Uh, yes. You know what I mean? Like it's 
it's like you're kinetically. Yes. yes. And so a lot of times, like, let's say it's not even like a work thing. Like my sister got married in Tokyo a few years ago and she had a few issues, like in terms of like logistics for the wedding. And they were like, oh, did you and Paul think about this and talk about this before we came here? And we're like, no, it's just I know what he does when he does his thing. I have my flow and we can attack it, you know, from that standpoint. Um, It's it's like having a two headed monster. Um, totally. Yeah, totally. you know, and it's just, you know, even when we're on set, we're totally laid back. But like, I can lift an eyebrow. He knows the difference between what that eyebrow lift means, like 20 different ways. He's doing his thing. Like, it's just you can play off of each other and it's really comfortable. Um, but yeah, it also yeah. feeds into other stuff. So it's kind of it's kind of weird. It's funny. I would not have necessarily from the get go been like, oh, my partner and I, we should work together. That wasn't exactly how it was supposed to be. But Ultimately, that's what happened. And you just the work, it's able to be pushed to the next level because I know that I have a support person who's doing everything possible to make my work shine and vice versa. And you're not trying to, like, compete because it's like a solid goal. Um, Yeah, it's so every now and then when I'm working on other projects outside of our bubble, I'm like, that is so not how we would do that. Nope, nope, nope. We don't do it like that. (laughs) Yeah. So true. I always joke that I would rather be on, even when uh, I would rather be on a film that he's written and doing Mm -hmm. than any other one, because I already know, I know what the set is going to be run like. I know how he runs it. I know how he thinks of women. Yep. So Don, my husband, he thinks of women. Like I love, that was one of the big things with me and him. Mm -hmm. Before me too, before me too, before any of that, that was huge. I noticed that that's one of the things I was like, I'm going to marry this guy. Mm -hmm. So we were on the set. Before we were ever together, we were just working together. I yeah. was like, look at how he is running the set and treating the women. Okay. Yep. Like, that guy is golden. He mm-hmm. is thinking about how people are behaving, how, you know, yeah. that's the kind of stuff. So you're, so maybe this is a kicker for you because when you see the working stuff, I'm telling you that translates to marriage. Well, and like, I agree with, I mean, we've been, us. I've been, we've been together for 10 years. Um, yeah. And, you know, being someone who modeled previously and like you said, prior to me too, you know, a lot of different things and just watching his approach to things and, you know, how people are comfortable and different stuff like that, how you are in the work environment says a lot about how you are in facilitating other things and different types of hardships and stuff like that. So I wouldn't have picked it. But it ends up working out. <laughs> yeah, good. That's awesome. You know, good so I, you. I love that. And um, and also, too, which was what I was just about to ask you is um, when you do so many different things with someone like that, as you increase the different ventures that you want to do, it's just such a natural progression. So the two of you being a power couple, are there other things in terms of whether it be additional production projects or other things like that that you want to include into like your already large resume? Yeah, actually, he's working. He's um, he's working. He's a supervising producer of a new show on BET, a new drama. Wow. That's coming out. So it's actually been really amazing to watch him mm-hmm. take off in the writing. And so he's getting and he has a couple of projects at some bigger studios. So we're his stuff in terms of his writing is really blowing up mm-hmm. and my acting. And, and he's also on NCIS LA. Yes, yes. So I love that actor. show. Yeah, he's on that. So he's he's a little workhorse. I mean, he he is writing, producing, and acting mm. like majorly. So I love it because he just I I'm also just he brings me along. If there's something that I have, then I bring him along. But yep. he he's got a project, and it's just going to be exciting to see what happens with all of that. Because yeah, he's 
he's a little force. So that I'm is so exciting. I love hearing about other power couples and when it's working. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I know because you can get stuff done when you when they, when you get along well. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, so what what other things even outside of the entertainment world? Are you interested in tackling that you've maybe yet to do, but that's like on your mood board of things that you also want to, you know, embark upon? Well, I think that I want to start doing some, I'm, I'm trying to do something incorporating dance. Um, I'm a ex-dancer. Ex- oh, nice. Dan- I was dancing always. Yeah. So I was, I also danced in New York for a while and danced out here. And then I, I stopped dancing just to do acting professionally. And now my daughter is dancing. So she, I, I'm getting all these ideas about, I love So You Think You Can Dance. I yep. love the dance reality shows. So I, I'm looking at, you know, just kind of putting feelers out on that and how I can start to incorporate or maybe be a part of that in some way. And um, and just how to bring dance into my life a little more. Mm-hmm. Um, because I miss, I miss it. I miss doing it. Like, I, you know, I do it for fun. Right. But I miss it being part of my career. Mm-hmm. Um, I would I see that in the future and I just see more writing and more producing more projects with Don and us just sort of taking it like to a bigger and bigger level of things are getting, you know, um, higher, bigger budget, probably bigger wow. budget projects. Wow. I, I just love your guys' story, especially, you know, obviously Hollywood is going through a lot of changes right now um, in this post me Too environment. And also in terms of like representation and all these different things that need to be out there. How important is that to you to also add your voice to that, you know, to, to have more of a well-rounded surface where everyone has a big, a better playground in terms of being able to show their stories and be involved in this industry. Absolutely. That's huge for me. I'm, I, I come from an activist family who really you know, raised us to care about the world, care about to be world citizens. Mm-hmm. So for me, everything, everything has to have somewhat of a purpose, even if it's not in your face or on the nose. Yep. I I feel like all the stories we're attracted to and that we like to tell are even in a subtle way shifting that narrative, right? Mm-hmm. So we're shifting how um, we like to tell stories about people who come from really tough and and hard beginnings, but they're complicated and they're and they are smart and intelligent and they may have grew up in the worst neighborhood ever, but their, but their story is intriguing. They're interesting. They're, I just like to break stereotypes. I love right? that. So mm-hmm. that for women too, for any woman or what you perceive a woman of color or any woman mm-hmm. or a man to be, I, I like to just mess with stereotypes and, and go, whether I'm playing the character or we're creating a project. Yep. I wanted to make people go, wait a minute, would they do that? Yeah, they could do that and look like that. Yeah. And they could do that and sound like that, yep. right? Mm-hmm. You know, their education level comes in different packages and they're that just all of that. And, and then just making people think without being too on the nose. Because I like I like the subtlety of shifting consciousness without. Mm-hmm. Like making everybody like being on a platform, being like, oh, "I'm now shifting consciousness." Exactly. Right? You know what I mean? Yep. I think that has more of an effect. It's fun than when you're like in your face. Yeah, I love that. Um, when you're saying that, when we created, you know, our media house, um, you know, my my co-founder is Italian. I'm African American. We love our sets to have, you know whether you're gay, lesbian, straight, white, black, African, whatever, whatever. We love having just that diverse 
view and feeling that's there just because it's so tough, especially when I was coming up from the modeling side in fashion, you didn't have certain things in certain positions. And to know that a person has that opportunity, they don't even have to hear you say it. They can visually see it. And then when you're reading, you know, in the pages or different things that we have, creating that inclusive environment so that people, wherever their backgrounds are, feel like they have that ability that they can ascribe to do something like that. And so I love that other people do that same thing. Exactly, exactly. But then that's why, because we, see, I'm mixed, and that's interesting mm. what you're saying. I, I, that, and I come from that same mentality. I grew up in Oakland, and I'm like, mm. if, when I'm telling a story, I'm all, you're automatically having an experience that is different than other people. Yep. So you have, it's like, I, I want to put that out there to make, and, and, and people are finally listening. A little exactly. More, right? Yes, yes. I mean, sometimes exactly. you have to just be used to being the only one doing it, but you you understand that you're breaking that ground so that it makes it easier for that other person because left to themselves, they may not be able to do that. So hearing other people and, and now being a time where people are willing to have the shakeup, they don't know what it is yet, but they're willing to at least embrace it. Um, you know, that's that's a good thing, although it's still a long road, but progress is yeah. still progress. I want to tell stories where it could be like, uh, it's not about like one here and see yeah. a part. You know, mm-hmm. so that, that's super important where we're not, we're not saying this is a black story and this exactly. is exactly this is just a story that happens to be this way and you're interested in it too mm-hmm. right yep you know it's not like i i want to tell stories that that are about mixed people and black yep. people of all kinds of people and we are just our story is the is basically not a, a unique or special story it's mm-hmm. the story that i feel like we have always listened to White stories being told. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. And we adjust to it, listening yeah. to it. But now, can we tell our stories, but it not be the black film? Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Like, no, completely. I mean, yes, yes, completely. You just look at things and it's like, you just made a good example when you're like, well, but look at this thing over here. And it's like, but the fact that you're like pointing out that one thing over here, how many networks are there? How many? you know, shows exist? How many channels exist? And if you're still slotting just one thing, that's exactly. not the norm. That's still something that is skewed and you're calling it out. And that one person that did that has to somehow on their shoulders be the example of all these different variables that we're not a monolith. <laughs> you it know, not a mo- I love that. That is my favorite. I love that you uh, just said that. I yeah. always say that. I was like, we are not a monolith. Yeah. Because I'm just that like, well, so <laughs> they're like, but so-and-so wasn't mad. And so-and-so is a whole other person. But that person has their background and what they like, don't like, whatever. But they can't speak for me. I can't speak. Like, no. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of Bungalow SK. Make sure to follow, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow and listen on additional podcast platforms, including Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Himalaya, SoundCloud, and Stitcher Premium. Bungalow SK is a member of the Multimedia Podcast Network, Athleisure Studio, part of Athleisure Media and Athleisure Mag. You can see our show notes at athleisurestudio.com backslash bungalow hyphen SK and follow us on Instagram at bungalow.sk to find out who we're talking with, as well as what our guests are up to. Bungalow SK is a executive produced by myself and Paul Farkas with sound editing by the Athleisure Studio team. Our music is courtesy of Icons 8 with Forever T performing Renaissance. I'm your host, Kimmy Smith, and I'll see you next week at Bungalow SK.